Hey beautiful, you are listening to the Africana Woman Podcast. I am your host, Chulum. Every week I ask an Africana woman to invite us into her home to give us a snapshot into what happens behind her closed doors. I hope you will join me on this journey of discovery, revelation, and self-awareness. I'm not going to lie, it may become uncomfortable sometimes. However, I encourage you to push past your unease and challenge yourself to think differently. The simple act of expanding yourself to receive the unknown may be transformational for you. I hate watching movies that depict a woman giving birth, hey? One minute her water breaks, the next minute they're rushing to the hospital, then the next minute she's screaming as she pushes this new life into the world. In three whole minutes she has given birth. Hey! Imagine my shock and horror when I went into labor with my son and it didn't take three minutes. Friend, I was in labor from 9 p.m. to 11 a.m. the next day and I distinctly remember thinking, I hate Hollywood. (laughs) Seriously, media, movies, social media have have fantasized giving birth and motherhood and so many women go into it with glazed eyes. For your information, birth can involve poop, blood and hours that can seem like days waiting for a hole to become 10 centimeters. Hello, that baby comes out looking like a mole rat having crawled out of its tunnel. It's not cute. Hollywood, stop lying to the masses. Can you tell that I'm so traumatized? (laughs) Anyway, said bundle of joy is finally here. And sometimes thoughts pop into your head like, I hate my baby. I'm too tired to change the diaper. Why can't this child disappear? This baby won't stop crying. Would anyone notice if I put tape on its mouth? (laughs) does it make you a bad mother because you are not bursting with joy and love for your children every single day the answer is no you are perfectly normal in fact show me a mother who has not gone to eat a chocolate bar in the toilet because she doesn't want to share it the conversation you're about to listen to is with Lubonga Lucinde Chawelwa we have a very candid conversation about what it's really like to become a mother. Like we went all the way in, honey. From the physical, mental, and emotional changes a woman must go through. This is such a necessary conversation that not a lot of women are having. Do take a listen. I'll catch you on the other side for a debrief, okay? All right, so Luwonga Lucindi Chawelwa is a mama of three. She helps women find their strength and tune into their purpose through fitness, personal style, and you should see her style. She's very vintage. I love it. And motivation and transformational storytelling. She believes in inspiring people and believes that magic is your birthright. Luwunga, so I'm so excited to welcome you to the Africana Woman Mike. And I am excited about the conversation that we're having today, which is a continuation on this theme on motherhood. And in particular, we will be talking about matrimonial sense. So I just first wanted to say welcome and thank you for taking the time to come and speak to us. 
Thank you for having me, Chulu. Thank you. Okay, awesome. So I think, um, you know, I was doing a bit more reading about this and I saw a, a statement which really intrigued me. There's a scientist, his name was Dan, is Daniel Stern, who said that the, he has written a book called The Birth of a Mother. And he said that giving birth to a new identity can be as demanding as giving birth to a baby. And I was like, oh, wow. Now that is interesting. So I think the first thing that um, I'd love for you to just expand upon and explain to the audience is what is matricence? All right. Um, so matricence is the transition from womanhood into motherhood. You know the way we have adolescence. So um, that was coined, I think, in the late 70s, early 80s, about there, by an anthropologist. So, yeah, just the transition of womanhood into motherhood. Okay. So I guess let's start with your journey first, because you are a proud mama of three beautiful babies and i just wanted to find out from you what was your journey in in that you know that transition how old were you if you don't mind me asking about age you know but what was your experience okay so i got pregnant when i was 29 if i'm not mistaken about there um and that's the, that's the age i told myself i'd have a child so that by 30 i could have birth to my first child. So uh, first of all, I had no idea I was pregnant. I had no idea. And so um, my then fiance was like, maybe you should just have yourself checked, you know, Um, because I was, I was spotting and I was just like, oh, maybe it's just late, you know? And um, in essence, I think I was trying to comfort myself you know, and here we are preparing for the wedding. And so my sister, um, my sister eventually makes sure I go or forces me into, into testing. I test it's positive. We're like, Oh, okay, cool. We're going to keep it under wraps. And so a few weeks into it, I, um, I think three months into it about there, we are shopping for dresses and I just, I fall down and collapse in town. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So, yes. So I'm taken to the hospital and I'm just sick. I'm feverish. I'm shaking. I'm just, I'm just having a bad day at this point. And for me, this is why I always talk about the beauty of kindness. Because there were these women in line at the hospital who just looked at me. And this lady looked at me and said, you don't look too well. I think you should skip the line. And they let me skip the line. Um, Vincent went to to call a, a nurse. They quickly made me see a doctor. And I was admitted. I just didn't know what was happening. I was given injections and things like that. And already I was asking myself, everybody talks about how beautiful this journey is. But I want to believe it's not beautiful for everybody. You know, so that was my beginning. From like the onset, I was admitted in hospital. And we later discovered that I had a cyst that was growing 
And so the doctor asked, um, and I'll, I'll wrap it up, I'll summarize. The doctor asked, uh, said, if we remove the cyst, we have to get rid of the baby because the baby and the cyst are, are sort of, is it joined together? Yes. And the baby is feeding off the cyst or something like that. So um, as a family, we decided we're going to, to keep it at that. So that is the genesis. That is the beginning. Okay, we're going to just take that all back because you just flew through all of that. <laughs> but we need to dissect that a little bit more. So, you know, <laughs> um, when you say that, you know, you were preparing to get married, and I'm assuming your husband's name is Vincent. Yes, he is. Okay, so you're preparing to get married to Vincent, and then you discovered that you were pregnant. Um and like you said, the journey, you know, when you're thinking about people saying, oh, it's such a beautiful journey. But the first instinct that you had was to, to not tell anyone, to not share with anyone. So already that introduction into motherhood was one um, which was covered, you know? Yes. So just walk us through what were your actual emotions like? And why did you decide that, okay, we're not going to tell anybody? And then uh, God has a funny sense of humor and decides, okay, I'm going to reveal it for you anyway. <laughs> so what was that conversation like? <laughs> that's, that's funny. Um, the reason why I didn't want to, to share it with people yet is because I'd asked my mother first if it was okay, that, um, if it was okay for me to get pregnant before I got married. My mother was not for the idea and, and maybe her being of African descent, being raised here in Zambia, um, that has its own connotation, your daughter pregnant out of wedlock, you know? So I thought to myself, am I bringing shame to my parents? You know, am I bringing shame to our family name? So I decided maybe it's best to just keep it to ourselves. And like you said, God has a funny sense of humor because Immediately I was admitted, I think uh, an hour or two into it, we were having wedding rehearsals at my soon-to-be mother-in-law. So my sister noticed neither me nor the groom to be, hadn't shown up. So she got concerned and naturally Vincent had to tell her. And she just said, I'm going to call mom and dad. You are in hospital. You know, this is serious. And so my mother came through. She was worried. She didn't know what was happening. I didn't tell her anything, you know. Uh, so she walks into the hospital ward. And she's, what's wrong? Asked to see the chart from the doctor. And she sees that I'm pregnant. But because Vincent is around, she's trying to, like, just keep it cool, you know, and under wraps. Um, then, then my father walks in with his doctor friend. And of course, he has no idea I'm pregnant. And his doctor friend is saying, oh, it's a cyst. We can have it surgically removed. And my mom is just looking at them, you know, like, I wish these guys knew what they were talking about. And so um, first, I'm going to go back. When I found out that I was pregnant, I was very excited. I was scared, but I was very excited. I'm like, I'm going to bring a new life into this world. And then when I started processing everything, I was like, hmm. I don't know how this is going to sit with my family, you know? And eventually, 
my close family members got to know about this. And I remember my mother talking to my two sisters, because I have two younger sisters, saying, you obviously knew about this. You obviously knew about this. You know, you know, your sister can die. Pregnancy is a serious thing. And looking back, I feel a little, I feel a little bad, you know, that I hid this from, from especially my mother. Yeah. Yeah, I think definitely, you know, when you talk about just, you know, culture in general and how much um, shame is, I don't, I don't know what the word is, like imposed or, you know, it's something that we're in, it's ingrained in all of us, like, oh, we don't want to bring shame to our family and, you know, this things like this, even at the age of 30, 29, <laughs> you would think that this is a conversation that you can have with your parent, but you, you, the first instinct is to say, oh my gosh, I'll bring shame to the family and, you know, what would they think and, you know, all of that. But yeah, that's a, an interesting experience that you had. So what was the rest of the journey? The, so from the time that I guess that, um, you know, you, you were first hospitalized to the wedding date, how much time was in between there? And then when did you actually give birth? So uh, when I was first hospitalized, that was, how many months pregnant was? It was, I don't even remember, but it's, it's maybe I was hospitalized for like a week the first time or more, or more days close, maybe to two weeks. I don't remember now. But I was discharged and the and just after one day I had my kitchen party. And first of all, I felt like hell. And I asked my mother, I said, can't we cancel? You know, I, I wasn't feeling too good. I was still very weak. Um, but prior to that, I was meant to have a kitchen party in October, but that's the year we, we lost. Um the, the, the lead president, His Excellency, Dr. Chilufia Sata. Um, so they were using the whole woman to use for the funeral processions. We couldn't go ahead. So she said, we've already canceled once. We can't afford to cancel again. And it's late. People have already started arriving at the venue. So I dressed up, uh, had my makeup done at my sister's house. And I was with my grandmother throughout because I needed someone to hold on to. Um, and when I remember, I was actually lifted into the car. Yeah. And at this point, I'm just crying. And, you know, I'm not screaming, but when you are in pain, you know, your tears just roll down your eyes. So uh, I'm, I have tears just rolling down my eyes and I'm laying back in a car. Um, I get dressed and we arrive at the venue and my mother and my grandmother say, this is it. You have to summon all the strength you have in you and walk as if everything is okay. So I, I wiped down my tears and I walked. It felt like I walked a hundred kilometers. I don't know how that feels, but it just felt like a very long walk. I walked and eventually we got to where I could sit and I sat down. Thereafter, um, the kitchen party was on the 25th of December. Uh, the wedding was on the 31st. Um, I remember this because, um, just, just, uh, I'm going to sidetrack a bit. Um, yesterday, um, 
a friend I met online who who my husband's family knows because they are their family friends send me a picture of me on my wedding day and I don't I don't look happy I have pictures where I remember the photographer saying you need to smile and be in the moment but I was ill you know I was I wasn't well and there's only so much you can pretend you know so there are times when I'm okay and then there are times I'm not okay so we do the pictures and everything and I'm I'm just feeling sick I'm seated on the I'm, Church wasn't so bad for me. Then we get to the reception. It's late and I'm just, I'm just so unwell. Yeah. So when did you give, um, when did you give birth to your firstborn? I gave birth in June and then the story continues. Um, so I'm home, right? In the morning I wake up, it's a normal day. Um, I couldn't make the bed for some strange reason. So I'm crawling around the bed to just make the bed because I'm one, I, I like a clean bed, you know? Um, I meet one of my closest friends uh, that I've known her since the sixth grade. And I'm like, oh, uh, we're going to go to Kalingalinga because we wanted, um, we wanted some clothing rails made, the, the ones they, metal, they use metal to fabricate. We get there and I'm telling her, you know, I've been peeing so much today. And I had no idea that if you're peeing close, like if you, if you keep peeing, you know, in, in short time intervals, it's likely that you might go into labor and things like that. She was like, hmm, that, that's strange. Cause she hadn't, if she hadn't yet had her baby. So we, we go on our, but our business, you know, we are. So I just feel something drop out of me. And this is like a huge clot of blood. And I look and I'm like, Chico, her name is Chico. I'm like, Chico, look. She was like, start walking to the car. But my legs, my, my legs lock, you know, my hips lock. <sighs> so she says, I need to cover up this with dirt. Then you keep walking. So I was walking very slowly. And then now it's just blood trickling down my legs, you know. Um, I get to the car eventually, but I can't move my legs to just get into the car. And it's more blood clots. So she comes, covers it up with dirt and people are just watching. I, I find that very strange. People are just watching. Anyway, we, we finally get into the car. She had this beautiful pink scarf, baby pink, almost, almost white. She put it on the car seat and said, sit. I don't even know where that scarf went. We rushed to the hospital. So I'm calling I call about maybe five family members who are in Lusaka. None of them pick up except my sister-in-law who lives in Indola on the copper belt. Yeah. She says, um, so she says, I'm talking. I can't really talk properly. She's talking to my friend and she says, uh, who has picked up? No one. So she's like, let me book a flight and then just fly in. Cause my mother wasn't, my mother wasn't around. Um, so she's making arrangements. I get to the hospital I withhold the hospital name. I get there. I'm bleeding, bleeding. And so my friend gets a wheelchair, makes me sit on the wheelchair. Somebody comes and has the audacity to say, you're going to stand the wheelchair. Yes, yeah. because I'm sick. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I get admitted. Uh, my doctor is called in. My, my OB guy is called in. He comes, he checks. He's like, I want to monitor the baby. They start preparing me for emergency C-section, but... Bear in mind, I'm only seven months pregnant. And so the doctor says, I want to keep the baby for as long as I can. You know, they prep me and everything. Um, 
they, they, they kept changing my sheets because they kept getting wet. The doctor said, I'm going to give you a lot of fluid and we have to monitor the baby. We have to monitor the baby. So again, I get admitted. They say, you're not going home. We'll give you a ward. And um, I'm given a ward. My aunt, who's an angel, um, gets on a taxi and she, she jokes about it. Now she's like, do you know, when you called me, I had no money on me and we live in Minwood. There is no way I can get money from. I just called a taxi and I said, I'm going to pay when I, when I arrive at my destination. So I'm there and they put a baby monitor on me. I don't know what it's called in, in science terms, but the one that monitors the heartbeat of the baby. And this is a couple of days in, I'm, I'm just so stressed. And so I had days where the, the heartbeat would just disappear. The baby's heartbeat would just, the baby would just be quiet. There'll be nothing. And at this point, I'm just tired. I'm just, I'm just so tired and I want the baby out of me. I'm sick half the time. Uh, two weeks in, I asked my doctor, can I go home? And he says, well, let me just check the baby one last time. Right. And so we go for another checkup. He checks and he says, I have no idea how this baby is surviving because there's a disconnect between the placenta and the baby. The baby hasn't been feeding for some time. And so he says, um, we have to get ready. We have to go for a C-section in an hour when the lab is free. I go back. And um, so we are with mom. Mom says we have to pray. We say our prayers. So we say our prayers. And we get into the, into the theater. The injection they give you, the epidural, I think the one they, they give you, the half one where you stay up, yeah, yeah, okay, this way up, is a nightmare. I, I had never experienced such pain before because they, they, they target a nerve, a nerve ending in your spine. And when that hits you, I froze, and at this point, I just have tears going down. And the doctors, the the uh, what is it called? I forget the name. The one who gives you the the job for the epidural says, "Are you okay? Can you feel me? Are you numb?" They lay me down, and they cut open. All I could feel is tugging and pulling, tugging and pulling, and. After that, I can see the baby. He was born dry because I had lost my, my water. I had no water. I didn't know that. So uh, from there, the baby comes out, is wheeled out, uh, goes, they go and bath the baby, and I'm there. And afterwards, they take me to my ward, and I lay down. They, you lay down for nine hours on your back. You can't move. And then I wake up. And there are no painkillers. And I thought the epidural was painful. And then the incision stings. I am shaking from cold, the cold, because uh, I'm told the, the epidural does that, the epidural does that. And I don't even want to look at my baby. And I, I, and, I don't want to say there is no connect, but I don't feel anything at this point. And thank God my mother is there. And, and then I have no milk. 
you know ah oh, it's 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 an experience that 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 i think you take to your grave and it gives me cold chills even when i think about now you know um so a month later i think that's when my milk kicked in my milk supply kicked in so we have formula now we've tried to buy formula from south africa i don't know where else and the first few days um he's vomiting and he has diarrhea nonstop only to realize he's lactose intolerant and bear in mind he's a preemie so we have to go back to the hospital they say we'll be admitted my mother says we just left the hospital 2 days ago we're not coming back my bp is is something else my feet are swollen i was not even wearing shoes i got into a hospital without wearing shoes bare feet because i can't wear slippers at this point so the person checking my bp the doctor comes my doctor comes and said i want to know who let them go home because she can just pass out you know and and yeah so yeah so the baby is born at this point sis <laughs> i thought i had problems <laughs> <laughs> okay, but this is something that I just want to put out there. This is not um it's not to scare mothers. It's not to um say that every experience of matrescence is um is traumatic. Um you know, everybody has a unique experience, but I think one of the reasons why we're talking about it is because people don't talk about it right and there's there's so many variances of what can happen um as a as you become a mother and i'm you know i thank god that you know he is you know he's alive he's well and ah that's a lot so i just wanted to throw that out there I don't want anybody to be listening and feeling scared <laughs> just in case <laughs> <laughs> but you know i think um let's let's talk about yes you had your child but what was it for you like what was in your psychology what was your state of mind um that you are now a mother was there anything that shocked you i mean I, that whole experience obviously very shocking very traumatic but you know uh, but i think even like when he was there now you are a mother what what was your your state of mind Whew. um so when now we are we are home and I, i i decided to go to my parents uh because um i had i hadn't had a child before and i i needed my mother's guidance and just love you know and help um so what happened was i can't sleep first of all and prior to that i have i have insomnia issues and when you have a newborn you have no idea what their sleeping pattern is so this little baby um has colic first they are colicky so from 6 pm and i kid you not until 3 am in the morning they are crying 
like it's the end of the world. I have never been clinically diagnosed with postpartum depression, but I was depressed. I was depressed. I didn't realize that having a little being takes so much from you. you I had days where I hadn't left my room. I had days where I hadn't even left the house. I had days when I was just housed there. I could only take a bus at 3.30 a.m. or 4 a.m. And then at 6, he's up again like clockwork. And he's rested. He's in a good mood until it starts again at 6 p.m. And so in my head, I'm like, if this is all there is to motherhood, one, I don't want another baby. Um, and number two, I questioned, I questioned myself a lot. I questioned myself if I was capable of nurturing this being and just taking care of them. Um, and I'm not going to lie. This is something I've spoken about. I'm not proud of it, but I want to put it out there that motherhood is not a joyful ride every single day. There are days when you hate being a mother. That doesn't make you a bad mother. I just want to put it out there but it's life happening to you. There are days when I would let him be in his diaper longer than usual because I just didn't have the strength in me. You know, um, I journaled. Um, I journaled a lot because that helped me. Uh, I needed to channel what I was feeling somewhere. Um, God bless my mother. My mother spent three months with me sharing the bed because she needed to help me. My sister, my younger sibling is an angel. And you know, we are in Zambia and we sometimes have uh, power cuts. And so having a newborn and then no power, then you have to, oh my God, all that is so much pressure for your head. And it's unfortunate that we live in a society where having such conversations is, is not as common as I would like it to be. And so it kills you inside. And sometimes you think you're the only one who's going through this, you know, and you wonder, am I all right? Is there anything wrong with me? You know, or am I, am I losing it now? Yeah. So I just, I questioned my sanity a lot. I questioned the love I had for this little being. It, it, it came and went. Just like that. Sometimes it would just sort of switch off. And then sometimes it would be there and I'll be admiring the baby. And there are times I just didn't want the baby. Mm, mm, yeah. So, you know, you, you, you've spoken about, um, you know, a practice in our culture. So as Zambian women, and I'm sure in other African countries, when you have a, a child, especially the first child, you will go to um, your parents' home or wherever your mother is, or vice versa. Um, and the, the mother is supposed to help you with the baby, teach you about looking after the baby. But do you think that support is enough? Were you able to have these types of conversations that we're having right now or was it you know just let me just journal and put what i'm actually feeling uh, in a book because i don't think anyone will understand um i never actually had these conversations with my mother when i had my first child but 
I had them later. Uh, I had them, I think I started having them around the time I had my second baby and my third baby, right? And it could be a cultural thing, you know, where we don't ask certain questions or we think that um, certain conversations are not to be had, especially if you feel these conversations um, will bring a certain sense of shame you know, to how you're feeling and what you're feeling. So later onwards, yes, we did have these conversations. I had so many questions, but I just bottled that up and I journaled most of the time. Uh, and also maybe I needed to be a better in a better space with myself first. Um, I needed to be able to have these conversations without crying, being the emotional being that I am. and. I needed these conversations to first be objective before they were even subjective at any, at, at any point because I needed to understand what was happening to me first before I was able to express it. And I think this is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm very passionate about matrices. I'm very passionate about postpartum because we die inside and it's like people want to have these hushed conversations you know, it, it's like when, I'll digress a bit, it's like when um, when a child is molested, nobody wants to sort of talk about it. It's a secret. It's shame. Now imagine what that does to the victim. And I want to believe that um, a lot of women out there um, are victims of, of this culture of where we expected to just be strong, you know, be a woman, be resilient, bottle all these things up when, when these are conversations that we should have freely because I believe when these conversations are shared, I believe we'll be able to save lives. So tell us a little bit about um, your relationship with your husband. So after giving birth, how did that affect your relationship, if any, if it, if it did? Um, and then were you able to open up to him? Cause you weren't able to open up to your mom. So, you know, you married your best friend. Are you able to open up to him? What was he, tell us, okay. Let me not put words in your mouth. Okay. So, I think, first of all, let me just put it out there. Men and women are wired differently. There's, there's that book that I've never finished reading, I'll admit. Men are from Mars, women are from Venice. Yeah, I, I'll look it up. I think I should, I should finish it. There should be a hard copy somewhere. Yeah. Um, so having put that out, there are times I like to put, let me add context first. There are times I would ask him to help with the baby right and he would be with the baby for a couple of minutes and to him that was like oh I you know I've, I've helped you know I've done this and that um especially in the night when you just want to sleep a little longer you know um <clears throat> I also want to say that I had a lot of I started developing resentment towards my spouse because I wondered why he didn't understand what I was going through. And it took a long time to get to where I am 
and actually just bring everything in and realize that men and women are not wired the same. He didn't carry this being. So even the bond is not the same. Yes, you might, you might father the child, but the bond that a mother and a child have versus the bond that a child and the father have are very different. Uh, I believe both are equally important in, in raising a child, you know, and, <clears throat> and adding character to that child's life. But just, just not realizing that he can't care for a child the way I can. That was a light bulb moment for me. And I realized that there are chores that I can give him that he's going to execute better than when he's forever with the child. Maybe he can change the diaper. He could help me, you know, uh, <clears throat> maybe make, make milk for the baby, you know, um, or maybe just watch him as I bath. Because the time that I was at my parents, I would bath with, with the baby. I would just have the baby be in its, what is it called? A, a bassinet? What is that called? Yeah. And... Moving forward, as I had, uh, we added two more babies to our family, I realized that I should also learn to understand what it's like for him to be a father, because also his life has changed, you know, and I don't know if this is the same world over, but in the Zambian context, it's expected of a father to financially support the family. This is the structure that we come from. And so already that's a financial burden to the family, especially if, you know, especially if you didn't plan this thing out. Most Africans don't, like, let me not say most Africans. Most Zambians do not actually plan out their children. I, I have a good friend of mine, Musonda. She says, um, the last time she was pregnant, I'm like, Musonda, you're pregnant. Did you plan for this baby? She's like, we're Africans. We don't do that. You know, so that's a joke. That's an inside joke between us. And it's just important, I think, as we are having this conversation that your relationship changes when you have a child with somebody. Your relationship changes when you have a child with your partner or your spouse. Um, and if you're not careful, actually, that can drive you apart. I just wanted to put that. That can either drive you apart or it can bring you closer, but it takes work. Sis, are you like me? I literally live by my calendar. If it's not on there, it does not exist, nor does it happen. But quick question, are you on your calendar? I don't mean all the activities that you do for and with others. I mean, do you have a day that is all about you? Not babies, not bay, not work, or anything else that keeps you busy. I'm asking you to be your own bay. So one day a month, Africana Woman will host in-person events in Lusaka that give you permission to practice self-love. This is not just another networking event. You know, restaurants and cocktails. No, darling. Instead, we're partnering with local businesses to give you unique experiences like paint and sip, a ladies hike, or a body positive dance class. Like, you do not want to miss this. So come on then, join us, sign up today, be your own bay. Find the link in the show notes or go to africanawoman.com. Now back to the conversation. And then I'm going to go a little personal here, but how was your sex drive? I know you had... <laughs> um, for many months after, it was non-existent. 
Uh, first of all, I felt as if my incision would open up. Um, I just felt as if there was pain, you know, and I didn't find myself attractive. And, and I'm ashamed to say this, but it's true. I sometimes feel as if maybe I was projecting what I was feeling about my body onto, onto my partner. Um, I'm, I'm into fitness and I like to look a certain way. This might be healthy or unhealthy, but hey, I'm just going to put it out there. I like to be a certain size. I'm vain. That's, that's not a lie. I like to be a certain it's size. It's okay, boo. I'm vain too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. You know, yeah. So I want to look a certain way and I want to project a certain image, you know, even as I go on about my business. So I was wondering, I'm like, first of all, my tummy is flabbier than it was. I have this incision on my lower belly. I have cellulite in places I never imagined I could have cellulite in. And I just felt as if my, my body wasn't mine, you know, and I didn't just feel sexy enough. I didn't feel attractive enough. And that's why I said that if you're not careful, that can drive a ridge between you and your partner. So let's see. You know, you've talked about a lot of things. There's one, um, I think the trauma of when you did find out you were pregnant and, you know, um, and just covering that up. And then there's the the trauma of how um, your son was birthed. And then there's also, you know, after that postpartum, um, you know, how you're feeling about your body, um, how you're feeling about the child, um, your belief uh, in yourself or non-belief of whether, you know, you can actually raise this child. There's all these different things, different layers. And I want to know, how did you come out of that? Because you have three kids. So clearly something happened along the way. So please <laughs> explain. And remember, we're Africans. Yeah, we're Africans. Um, funny story before I even answer that. So I had convinced myself at one point in my life that I was never going to have any children. And some people asked me like, mm, from no child to three children, how, you know, how, uh, but then I met this wonderful guy and I was like, you know, what? I'm going to give this a try. And here we are three, three babies later. So, um, to answer your question, um, First, it's important, I think, to surround yourself with people who love you for who you are. People who love you um, before, before the children, people who love you before the weight gain for some of us, and people who just love the essence of you, you know, people who love you for Lubunga, people who love you for Chulu. Um, that's important. Uh, for those who have a great support system, just immerse yourself in that. It's going to help you get out of that. Um, other than that, you have children that you have brought into the world now and you want them to be model citizens. You actually want to raise good human beings who are able to live within the communities that you're raising them in. So that also just prompts you to, to say, I need to be better other than that, um, I read a lot about mattresses, even though I only discovered the term 
early this year, I read a lot about postpartum. I followed a number of mom blogs out there. And I noticed that there's there's a lady I found who has Isaac five or is it eight children? And she has she's running a business. She was fit. I forget her 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 name, but I drew inspiration from all those strong women. Other than that, I looked at my mother. She's quite an accomplished woman. And she gave birth to four of us, you know, raised us. And what my mother told me is that I told myself that I would raise you until a certain point, and then I needed to go out there and spread my wings and fly. That's how she likes to tell her story. So you also need to remember that before the children, there's Chulu. Before there's the children, there's Lubunga. And you have to go back and remember what it was like for you before the children. Yes, your life is forever changed, but there are things that you loved, you know? There are things that made you feel alive. And remember, I want to put this out there, when you're not happy as a mother, the children can pick that up. And I don't want to encourage people or say that you need to live for your children solely. No, you need to live for yourself so that you are able to give the best that you can to your children. And I, like, like you said in the, in the bio, I believe magic is our birthright. You know, um, for some people, some people are gifted. Look at you hosting, hosting me here. This is your thing. You are in your element. And that's, that's the mark that you are leaving on the world. Uh, some people, some people's, I, I believe, uh, purpose here on earth is just to counsel women who've had a traumatizing experience, be it rape, be it postpartum depression, um, et cetera. So you tap into that things you loved to do even before the children came. And I just started slowly going back to that person. You don't have to run half a marathon immediately. Baby steps are important. Take a walk, you know, um, journal if you must talk to your fellow women who have had children, please. For me, that was so important because you will realize that you are not the only one experiencing that. There are never two experiences that are the same in this world, but it's the journey, the process. You know, that's important. Uh, what else helped me? Get help. Help is essential. I didn't have help with my first, after I moved from my mother's, I think when, when we moved into our own place with my husband, that almost drove me crazy. Help is essential. Have friends come over. They can bring you a meal. They can hold the child as you sleep because you need sanity. Go out and enjoy the world. Take a walk, call your friends. All those things are important because you need to breathe and be aware from the baby just a bit for, for your sanity. I love that. That is a lot of um, practical advice um, to give mothers. And I think more than anything that I want to, to just emphasize, which you've also already mentioned, um, just because, you know, maybe that particular day you think, you know what, I don't particularly like my children. <laughs> Oh, I don't particularly want to be a mother. It's okay. It doesn't make you a bad person. Um, we all have emotions and emotions are not necessarily the truth. Um, you just let the emotion pass and it doesn't make you a bad person. Um, and I think 
to be able to give yourself grace about, you know, your different thoughts, your different um, feelings, different emotions is going to help you um, stay sane, like you're saying. Yeah, stay sane. Um, I, I do want to just go back to, you know, when you decide, did, so, okay, so your second born, did you um, plan for your second born or? <laughs> We're so Africans what? and I wink. <laughs> I had so no idea I was pregnant was, again. What was your, what was your reaction when you found out that, oh gosh, there's a second one on the way? I was, I was in shock. I was in shock and I said not again because I didn't know what the experience would be like. And, you know, I was basing all this on, on the previous experience and I just wondered what this would be like. I asked, would I be sickly half the time? You know, uh, would I have so many doctor's appointments and, and things like that? It took me... It took me, I think, an entire trimester, that's three months, to just accept what was happening and get into it. And like I mentioned, I'm vain and I was I was fit at this point. I was back to um almost back to my to my ideal body size. And there I was pregnant again. And and those who work out and lose weight and want to maintain and look a certain way know how hard how hard it is to actually be be where you want to be yeah but eventually um i started loving this little being and then i found out it was a girl i was <laughs> over the moon and i was so excited that we named the baby while the baby was still in the tummy we named her after my my younger my youngest sister you know, and we'll just, they would call me and ask, so how's baby Tisa doing? I'm like, fine. How's baby Tisa doing? I'm like, fine. And she's a, she's a ball of energy, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. So I think just so that we can round off the conversation, I want to hear what is your experience of um, society's treatment of uh mothers like women who either actually as you're having your baby uh you know as you're pregnant and when you do have a baby what what has been your experience of how society treats women and you know we already we already understand that women are going through so much they've got so many hormonal changes body changes emotions are going on but then how does society treat them and add on top of whatever they're feeling Hmm. That's an interesting question. Like anywhere else, I, I guess, in, in the world or in different communities, or we, have, we have good people, we have the not-so-good people, we have kind people and unkind people. And when you're lucky and find yourself in, in a community of good people most of the time when you're pregnant... Um, that's really good and it's good for you and your developing baby. But there are instances where people say things like, you know, you're, you're just, you're just pregnant, you know, like no biggie, you know, 
um, without pushing into consideration that there are people who are sick from the first day they conceive until they actually give birth. Um, I thought mood swings were just a thing until I, I was pregnant, especially with my first. My father actually says he never understood what was happening. And bear in mind, I didn't tell them. And in the beginning, I didn't even know. So one minute I'm talking to you, the other minute I'm moody. But because of the hormonal changes um, that people are actually insensitive to, it, it doesn't help you so much. Um, sometimes you're lucky. I'll give an example. With my last baby, I, um, I went to the bank and there was a lady who gave up the seat for me. It doesn't happen as often as I think I would like it to be because I've seen sometimes pregnant women stand on, you know, queue up for a long time and nobody is really paying them any attention. Um, can it be better? I believe so, especially from our fellow women. Remember, men don't carry babies. I mean, unless with technology, but like mostly women carry babies. And especially when you've been a mother before, you know what your fellow woman is experiencing. And it's imperative that you're kind, you know, to these, to these women. You're kind to uh, women with little babies around you, to women who are pregnant, um, and sometimes it could be like, I'm extra. Uh, there's, I don't know where I was flying from, but there was a lady who had so much luggage to carry. She had a baby. She had a little child. And I just carried her luggage. I was like, I'm going to carry this for you. And she was in shock. She couldn't believe it. And there were so many people, you know, who were going to <clears throat> headed to the terminal where I headed in. And I just asked myself, I'm like, are we this cruel that we can let somebody go through this? And so I just believe in spreading kindness. And I hope that, you know, um, you who's listening to this, you who's watching this, will be able to sprinkle a little more kindness to the people that are around you, not only pregnant women or ex expectant mothers, rather, um, or people with little children, but just with everywhere and anywhere you go. Because remember, we are in a society where, where we think that not talking about important issues such as this is preserving a culture. You know, that's what some people want to label it. But we are, in essence, just hurting ourselves. Yeah, I, when you talk about um, spreading kindness, I'll just throw it out there. If you get an attitude, that's your problem. But if I just had a baby, I come to a function and you tell me, oh, you're a fat. That ain't a greeting. That is not a greeting. Please stop. I'm just going to put you. it out there. <laughs> Please do. I don't know how many, um, like you, I blog. I don't know how many pieces I've put out there, pieces of content regarding that. So I went, I went somewhere yesterday and within 30 minutes of me being in this area that, that, that people know me, I had under 30 minutes, I had four people talk about my weight. Like, oh, you've put on some weight. And you know, someone is even like, oh. <gasps> And then I'm like, I just had a baby, you know, and this doesn't only come from men. It comes from women as well. I mean, some people have super genes out there and, you know, from, from, they give birth their, you know, their time is snatched. What, what I've had three children, vast section, 
the weight is not going to disappear magically and I have to wait. They'll tell you six to eight weeks, um, C-section eight weeks, normal birth six weeks before you start exercising. Even if I try after three months, I feel the pain in my incision. So I wait six to seven months. Now my son will be seven months in like two weeks and I'm back in the gym and I'm exercising. I don't want to be unkind because I can... I can speak to you in a manner that will be very unkind. I can ask you what's going on in your life. You're still the same weight that you were five years ago, but we're not going to talk about that because we're not that petty. We are grown and mature. And I want to put it out there. Sad people want to make others sad. Unhappy people want to make unhappy people sad. So when people are miserable, misery loves company. And you should never let people pull you down to that level. There are, there are instances where people have been very unkind, where I've had to respond in an unkind manner just so I can put them in their place. I'm not proud of such moments, but sometimes it has to be said. Or I had someone ask me, you are so fat, aren't you breastfeeding? Or like, you're so fat, why, why aren't you breastfeeding a little longer, you know, or why aren't you breastfeeding often? Or where people are like, I hope it's only exclusive breastfeeding that you're doing, you know. I'm a working mother. So when I, from the time I give birth until the time I go back, we are going to, you know, switch up the feeding. We are going to use a bottle. And, and, and also, I find, it, I find it very strange that people have so much to say um, about your child or yourself, yet they're not even willing to help you. Because if you're going to talk about something in a certain way, I would rather you give me a solution. Instead of us just talking about this and that, you could be like, oh, you know, have you tried this new Hogan bread shop right is now selling? It's feeling and it's good for a breastfeeding mother, you know? Ah, uh, you know, there's this fitness class, you know, happening here and there. Maybe you could try it out. I'm doing it. It's good for you and things like that. There are many ways to get into Rome, you know, as the adage goes, Rome wasn't built in a day. So there are many routes. We are all headed someplace. But it would just be nice if, especially women, were a little kinder to fellow women, you know. I, I don't like the way I'm looking right now. But hey, it's the body I'm in. And I need to love it. So to actually have someone also throw in so much when you're already insecure, you don't know what you're doing to that person. A person, I don't know the statistics in Zambia for postpartum depression, but I want to believe that they are there. And you might be telling this to somebody who's suicidal. How would you feel? Um, a friend told me a story, um, and I like to repeat this. I think we've shared this before, um, where this lady had a miscarriage far along in her pregnancy. She meets this person she's familiar with, and this person is like, mm, you're so fat. What happened? Yeah. Gosh, I'm telling you, you can, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so, <laughs> um, I would love for you to tell us a little bit more because, you know, this is something that you're very passionate about. So how do you work with women and um, help them through this journey? Okay, so um, I want to be honest and throw it out there. This idea came to me this year. I've been thinking about it a lot um, and I have conversations with my friends, people I just meet, you know, um, 
just a few weeks ago, I met this lady at the gym and we we're talking about children. And she was like, my children are so much older than now, but I'll never forget that experience. And already that conversation sparks, you know, a relationship. Uh, we have something in common to talk about. So putting everything together is only happening now. And so we are, we're still in inception. And now, so all I'm trying to do, let me not say trying, all I'm doing now is collecting stories from different people. I might not necessarily share their name or their details because sometimes people want to remain anonymous. And so moving from there, uh, I want to see how we can bring this to light, share these stories. I'm also journaling through videos, talking, you know, we're doing these podcasts and see how we can take this information out. I always like to say this. At some point, I would like to monetize this because I want it to turn into a business, a profitable business. But I want a business that's going to leave a positive landmark in the world. So eventually, we want to have programs where we have counseling sessions with professionals. I'm not a professional. I'm just, I'm a mama. I'm a mama of three with an experience. But it would be nice to talk to a doctor, you know, uh, maybe a psychologist, a psychiatrist, depending on how far along you might be with your depression or your postpartum. Um, connect people to, to gyms. Like the gym I go to, for example, they have personal trainers, one-on-one, -on -one, group work, ETC. Um, it would also be nice to have communities, you know, within we, within our, I mean, amongst ourselves, people who've had children, those who are having children, um, even especially mothers who've actually lost children, because that's a whole different conversation. That's a whole different conversation. And then other than that, I would, I would like now to coach these women who've, who've, you know, who've gone, who want to go back to how they were before. And you can't go back 100%, but just to rekindle that, you know, tune into their passion. Do you want to make fritters? How can we scale that and make it into a business for you? Do you want to be a preschool teacher? You know, so I believe tuning into passion and living your life on purpose is, is whole. You know, it should be a whole experience. You don't have to be a size six or eight, but just to be healthy and fit, to be able to run after your children, you know, to be able to run a business and not pant because a business in inception is crazy. I'm sure you know that. Okay. So Luonga, we at Africana Women, we have a little saying that goes, know your roots, grow your purpose. So I have some quick questions for you. Say whatever comes to mind. If you want to explain a bit more, that's absolutely fine as well. So this is the first question. What are you rooted to? Hmm. How would I answer that? maybe maybe rephrase it i don't know how to rephrase that when we think of um roots we think of what is the thing that that anchors you anchors that you know that. in your hardest situations where do you turn what are you rooted to i think i i turn to my family mm -hmm. my family and my friends um also, um, maybe to just explain a little bit and give it context, uh, Mayor Angelo put it so beautifully. She said, 
I stand as one, but I come as 10,000. So even as you see this, you know, it's so many people behind this character. Um, my, my father, my mother, my siblings, and, and by family, I don't only mean blood relatives, but my friends. Um, they, they also believe in what I'm trying to do and put out. Let me not say try what I'm actually doing and putting out there. So that's what anchors me. So what is your favorite way to nourish your mind, body, and spirit? Number one has to be reading. I love to read. And I do read fiction and books, but now I'm trying to keep it um, African. I'm trying to read fiction and books by African authors. I'm trying to just, you know, absorb that. I like their style of writing and their storytelling. Um, I listen to podcasts. Um, I, I think it's a little too much, but I still love it. I listen to podcasts anywhere. I'm, I'm, I'm having my shower. I'm in the car. You know, I'm taking my walk or working out. Fitness, working out. I enjoy walking. So that helps nourish my body. I enjoy walking and what it just does for the human spirit. And for my spirit, um, I was raised a Christian. Um, am I am I a practicing Christian? That's a story for another day. <laughs> but, but yes. Yeah, my son is like, you listen to podcasts too much. He was asking me, what do you do for fun except for listening to podcasts? And I was like, that's what I do. Like, what you want yes. to say? Um, okay. <laughs> do you but have I believe, a? I believe in God. Just just so people are not confused, I mm. I believe in God. I, I do pray. Um, let me not say am I a practicing Christian. Let me say, do I go to church on the Sabbath because we are SD? I was raised SD. Oh, no. Okay. No. But I, I believe in God and is out there. And uh, I would also like my children to be raised in that way. My mother is helping me with that bit. Okay. So do you have a weakness that has now become your superpower? Hmm. Do I have a weakness that has now become a superpower? What could that be? Hmm. What could that be? I, I don't want to. I don't want to believe that I'm a superhuman being. Um. Maybe I could say I have a weakness that I have. I've now. I, I found a way around it. Maybe. Maybe I could say that I was the queen of procrastination you know i'm a recovering procrastinator and so now what i do is that let me say that and i used to believe that everything should be perfect and those things used to hurt me before so now i believe in it's better it's done than than, than it being perfect the procrastination, I just asked myself before I procrastinate something is, um, will this, what impact does this have on the person that I'm becoming? What does it say about me? Yeah, let me, that's, that's, that's how I would put it. I like it. And the last question is, what do you know for sure? Magic is our birthright. 
Uh, I have so enjoyed this conversation. First of all, I just have to say thank you for being so um, vulnerable and being so open about um, your story and your experiences. Thank you for, and I know so many women, when they hear this, they will absolutely relate to your story and thank you for just being so brave as to come and share it here. I'm so grateful and I am just wishing you all the best. Please let people know how they can reach out to you, how they can keep track with what you're doing and, you know, so that they can know when you actually set up your program and um, your, your business. Right, so I am currently on Facebook, mainly and Instagram. So you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Lubunga Lucindi. And um, I'm sure that Chulu, being who she is, will link that in the description. That is for the transformational life coaching business we're trying to set up. Then for fitness, um, Lubunga.Lucindi, the same. But there's a dot that separates my name. Yes. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. This has been a really, really good conversation. So thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. I remember when I was pregnant with my son, it was a very dark affair. Because, you know, I, did, I conceived out of wedlock and the shame that sat on my back was very heavy. I never did have any physical problems like nausea or any other complications, but that was far overshadowed by my deteriorating mental health. So there was no baby shower, no baby announcements, no gender reveal, no baby bump pictures, none of that. Like... You'll be hard-pressed to find one picture of me pregnant. So if, as Lubunga suggested, many children are not actually planned for, then I think for a woman, accepting the pregnancy and circumstances can take a while. In fact, she's most likely paralyzed by fear. In my opinion, it would be prudent for those surrounding the expecting mother to really step up by providing mental, physical, and emotional support. Even when the baby is born, we all want to hold the baby and cool over it. But do we take a moment to say to mom, how are you really? You know, just to check on her mental health her emotions, and physical recovery. Offer your support, even if it means just listening. Let me know what you thought about this episode. And do find Lubonga on social media at Lubonga Lucindi to say thank you. Tell her you heard her on the Africana Woman podcast and show her some love. Thank you so, so, so much for making us part of your day by listening in. I am just so grateful for you. 
I would also love your help to get the word out about the Africana Woman podcast. And it's quite simple. You can do two things. You can either take a screenshot of this episode and post it on your social media stories. Don't forget to tag me at Chulu by Design or at Africana Woman. Um, I love to see your feedback. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcast. This has, you know, it really helps with exposing um the podcast to more African women. Now, you know, my playground is Instagram. If you want to chat with me personally, drop me a line over there. Until next week, please always remember, know your roots, grow your purpose. This has been a production of Olendo Creative Media. You can find out more about their services on www.olendocreative.com.